Greetings, my name's Andrew Sumner. My grandfather, Pop Smythe, bought me my first comic book in Liverpool, England when I was three years old, and I spent the next 50 years hurtling around the pop culture kaleidoscope, first as a fan and then as a journalist, editor, publisher and presenter. Along the way, I met a bunch of interesting people who will be joining me here. Creators, performers, professionals and public servants. We live in divisive, fractured times, but art and popular culture connect people from all viewpoints and from all walks of life. I'm often struck by the passions people enjoy, that they can set aside their differences for and agree on, whatever those passions are, whether I share them or not. And that spark, that moment of instinctive, connective agreement, that's what I call a hard agree. There is so much happening with my hair for literally. Oh, well done for I... understanding what I was saying through my Merseyside accent, by the way, because that I often get people going, her, what, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> what is her? <laughs> what is I her? Don't know what her yeah. is. And because most English people say, I can't even say it. This, is the, this word defeats me. Most English people say her, right? But if you come from Merseyside, you say her, and you say her over there with the her in exactly the same way. Uh, same like slurred vowel sound. But I frequently say that word to English people and Americans and they don't understand me. So I'm glad that you did. That's good. Well, I mean, now I, I, I speak uh, fluent Sumner. So, oh, you know, we're, we're good. We're good. Uh, <laughs> so since high school, I have been coloring my hair because I was a very bullied kid. I was a very like outcast kind of kid. I didn't have a lot of friends. And so whenever I grew up and kind of grew into myself, one of the ways to make myself feel better about who I was and to make myself different from all the the normies out there is I would color my hair. So I've been pink, I've been blue, green, purple, pink, all kinds of things. And unfortunately during the pandemic, right before the pandemic, I, as you well know, was supposed to get married in May. And in order to, to get the exact blue that I wanted for my wedding, I needed to like rebleach all of my hair and, you know, I paid a lot of money for it to get completely rebleached and to like, have a level set to get the perfect blue. And then literally two weeks after I got my hair rebleached, the pandemic hit. And so I just stayed blonde all throughout the pandemic. And unfortunately, that made my hair start falling out. So now I have all these patches of hair that have cut off. And due to that, I am now spending an outrageous amount of money having my hair healed and having it corrected. And for the first time since high school, I am now all brunette again, which is very weird, but that's where we're at in life. It's terrifying. I mean, you look down in the shower and there is a giant clump of hair and you're like, where did that come from? Oh, my head. This is really (laughs) scary. And uh, it's definitely not something that I thought I would experience at 32 years old, but here we are. And now I'm on this uh, hair journey. I actually have a, a hair sponsor who I is one of my hairstylists and I call her when I feel like I am like freaking out and wanting to put blue back on my hair and wanting to rebleach. I just call her and she says, no, put it down, walk away. You're fine. <laughs> yeah. Mate, I've got to I've got to tell you, though, the, the brunette really, really suits you. It looks fucking awesome. Thank you very much. I actually do feel really good about it. And, and you know, for what it's worth, Mr. Sumner, you know, your hair might be falling out and white, but you are more handsome than the day I met you. So, Oh, yeah, you're too kind. What does that mean? Bring it on. Keep on spinning. Which, in fact, <laughs> in fact, that is as good a time as any to say 
My name is Andrew Sumner. Welcome to Hard Agree. And I am here with the woman, the myth, the legend, the VP of licensing and merchandise for Legion M Productions, which we'll talk about in a moment. But most importantly, one of my closest friends in the world, the ultimate Mandy Bardispanian. It's so awesome to see you, man. Thanks for joining me on the show. Hello, world, and thank you so much for having me on, Sumner. This is an absolute pleasure and an honor. Hey, everybody out there in the in the wavelengths, it's it's awesome to meet all of you. And please find me on social media at Mandy Bardisbanian. I would love to talk to you as well. Uh, and and I'm telling you right now, Mandy, Mandy Beer's a conversation you will always want to have. Do you know how long we've known each other for, mate? No, I was actually thinking about that, and I think it's been nine years at this point, a little over nine years, because I I was a receptionist at the Hot Topic corporate office, and I started in 2012, uh, yeah. May of 2012. So I think I met you that year, and yeah, that's... I, I met you that year, and I, I think very, very shortly after you'd started. True story, you are the first person I ever met at Hot Topic head office fact that was you I, you know that's incredible and you know what i will say as well is not only were you successful meeting with the buyers uh and selling to the hot topic corporate office but you became literally everyone's best friend confidant you know mentor party goer party planner party putting i mean you you became the center of our world at hot topic you really did and 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 all of us will be forever grateful for that. Well, you you very you were very very kind, mate. That the of those of all of those hyperbolic statements, which I appreciate and I thank you for. The thing that I will what I that I will take uh, take to heart the most readily is party goer slash hard drinker. You know that's all of my all of my memories. So you know for for if you listen to this in the US, you'll know what hot topic is. If you listen to elsewhere, you may not. But essentially. Uh, Hot Topic is an incredibly cool retail chain in the United States of America. And it is essentially, you know, you know, an, an apparel and accessory store that's tied into music culture and into popular culture. I guess that it can you does that about sum it up, Mandy B? Yeah, I mean, if you want a Batman shirt, you go to Hot Topic. Right on. That's yeah. that's where yeah. you go. And if you're in the business of selling Batman shirts, you get an appointment to Hot Topic, say, corporate offices and meet Mandy Bardispania on reception. That's what happened to me. Yes, yes. I hey, mean... No, carry on. To add on to, to you know, what Sumner became in, in our... Every Comic-Con, every industry convention that we would go to, Sumner was, was the party planner. He would say, hey, we're going to go to karaoke off the, off the Vegas Strip and literally, okay, so this is what's crazy about Sumner's abilities to bring a party together and to bring people together is that, you know, vendors, like vendors that sell to retailers, they usually aren't friends. They usually, you know, don't hang out together. They don't usually go have drinks together because they're competitors and they, you know, want to stay competitive together. But Sumner has this incredible ability to say, you competitor, you competitor, you competitor. We're all going to be friends now. Let's go drink. And it worked every time. And people who you never thought would end up being friends became best friends because of mostly because of Andrew Sumner. Oh, well, yeah. I, I mean, mate, I, for, number one, 
I'm just going to make sure you're a weekly guest on this show from now on because, you know, <laughs> the only time I hear this amount of like sheer compliments is when I'm talking to my mum and dad who are very, very fast with the compliments. Well, here's the other problem, though. Here's the other problem. I haven't physically seen you in over a year and a half. Yeah. So, you know, I need to bring all of this out of me. It's been like bought all the all the Sumner compliments have been bottled up inside <laughs> me and I haven't been able to hug you in so long. And it's just pouring out of me like a rainbow of love. You know, like yeah. I don't I, I can't control it. How appropriate a rainbow of love, because indeed we're talking in in June 2021, 2021. And it's Pride Month right here. Happy right Pride. Now. Happy Pride. Happy Pride, my pal. And, and of course, Happy one of the times you know. that we, we did see, we did meet each other virtually rather than physically, was a momentous moment for you, right, mate, within the last year. Yes. So, yeah, I, I I got married during the pandemic and, you know, Sumner was meant to be our officiant. Uh, he was going to fly, you know, to the U.S. And, and marry my wife and I in person, of course. And when the pandemic hit, we had to cancel our wedding like everyone else did. And we, you know, we were going to just kind of put it off until, you know, whenever was possible. But our wedding date was kind of coming up. It was about two weeks out from our from our original wedding date. And we said, you know what, why don't we just get married anyway, keep our original date, get married, gather everybody on Zoom, and then stream it on Twitch. So the great thing was that not only were we able to have all of our friends and family present with us on Zoom, but when we streamed it on Twitch, there were hundreds of other people that were able to attend our wedding that wouldn't have been able to in person. So it was actually even like a bigger and more grand event than it would have been in person. And Sumner was up at, what was it, like two o'clock in the morning, your time Correct. to marry us? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you did such a beautiful Re- job. Reverend Sumner of the Universal Life Church was up at two yes. in the morning. Not me. My yes. alter ego, my superhero alter ego was up at two in the yes. morning. That's how I could do it. But it was, it was kind of beautiful, to be honest. And I mean, it was, as you're not to be honest, it was a very beautiful event. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful event. You know, my wife and I uh, said our vows. And, oh, yeah, you know, your so vows are so lovely. Yes. They were so lovely. It was gorgeous. And and it was still cool because, you know, Sumner had to had to sign, as our officiant, he had to sign our, our wedding light, our marriage license. So we... we so we got married in Texas, actually, because we were in Texas visiting my parents during the wedding, the whole thing. So, so we we got our marriage license from Texas, sent it to Sumner in London, and then you sent it back to us in California, yeah, and then wow. we had to send it back to Texas to be like official. It was just it, it, that license went all over the world. It was it was kind of crazy. <laughs> Mandy B, it was it was a, it was a, it was a truly beautiful day, and I was honoured to be involved and privileged to be involved. But I think I think your your speeches, yours and Sonia's speeches, were so lovely. Your your mom did such a fantastic job. Your, your witnesses were so cool. Some of our mutual friends, of course, you know, yes. just did such an amazing job. Uh, and I, I think it was. I think it's one of the most feel good, and you know, I love feel good events. Uh, if there's two yeah. people on the face of the earth who love feel good events more than anyone else, it's you and me, right, mate? Do you know what I mean? Uh, we're, so true. We're, we're at the top of that feel good, feel yes. good list, right? Oh, you know, and you know, one of the many things I love about you is your supreme positivism. 
despite, you know, the many challenges you've faced in your life, you know, and this is the way I feel, you know, challenges in life are there to be met head on, you know, with the full force of, of, of positive thinking. That's how you, that's how you conquer things. A lot of people, when I say this stuff, I get the sense sometimes of thinking, well, that's a load of fucking horseshit, mate. And, and, you know, it's just very easy to say that. But the truth is, if you've had struggle in your life, you, you know that one of the ways you get out the other side is through is through the power of positive thinking, and and, Absolutely. That, and, and I, I'm interested in talking to you about your journey. You know, into before we talk about career and passions and stuff, you you know your your journey through life and your journey you know into self knowledge and you know knowing yourself from a you know gender sexual perspective. Yeah. How, how how was that for you, mate? What what, what is your story? That is a great question. Because you're born and raised in one of the most conservative states in America, right? Yes. Yes, I was. I mean, talk about a Southern upbringing. So my story is, is, it starts out pretty typical American little girl and then it evolves into chaos. So I was born in- One of my favorite things, by the way, is that is dissolution to chaos, you know? Chaos. Yes. All the most interesting stories start that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I I hopefully I won't disappoint. So I I was born in Oklahoma and I I try not to claim Oklahoma because it's worse, but I uh, I mostly grew up in Texas and we, I kind of lived all over. I I grew up a little bit in Fort Worth and Dallas in in San Antonio, other places, but I mostly grew up in Houston on a horse ranch. When I was little, I I loved horses. I was really good at it. I, everyone thought I was either going to be a horse trainer or a veterinarian because I, I was I was very skilled. I mean, I I was a runner up rodeo queen. I you know I ran barrels, poles. I did I did everything you could possibly do in that field, and and I was successful. I had a lot of blue ribbons under my belt. And my parents were extremely conservative. I was raised in a Christian house, and you know. By the time I was in a teenager, I realized that was not for me. But, you know, I was very involved in in that growing up, you know, Sunday school and, and youth group and the whole nine. And my father is actually a an immigrant. He's he's Armenian and he his grandfather was in the United Nations. So he used to he used to live all over the world. They lived in the Congo for a long time. They lived, you know, in France, they lived everywhere. And my dad was the first one to come over to the U.S., but you would never know it meeting him unless you unless you get told because he wanted so badly to be an American, like so badly that he immediately got married. He immediately had kids. He made himself lose his accent. He lost, he, he forgot most of the languages he knew. He only retained French and English, but he spoke like seven languages, you know, when he was growing up and he lost all of them. So, you know, he, he really, really wanted to be an American. And my mom was, was very much an American. She, she also grew up on a ranch, you know, total blue collar lifestyle. So that's how I was raised in this very, like, you know, you work hard and you have a good life. And that's pretty much all you do, right? There's, you know, you're not going to, they, they were very supportive of me and they always told me I could do whatever I wanted to do in life, but a life outside of the norm was never, ever a consideration. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, that's doctor, very clear. Yeah. If I wouldn't be a lawyer. Great. But anything above that, it's like, I mean, it just wasn't a consideration. So, you know, I, I had to work through, I had to work very hard in school. I was not a great student because I just wasn't very like naturally intellectual. I had to work really hard for grades, things like that. So 
Other than horses, which I was good at, I then in high school, I started working at a fashion boutique just because I, I wanted a job. So I, I started working at a fashion boutique and I very quickly realized how much I loved fashion and like dressing people and and making people feel good with what they wore. And I was also, you know, at that time, very much still figuring out myself because like I said, I was a very bullied kid. I, um, I'm actually... So for everyone out there who can't see me, I am 4'9", so I'm extremely short. I'm actually legally a midget, in case you didn't know that. Anything 4'10 and under is legally a midget, so there's that. But I am proportional, and I have this thing called Marcus Gunn-Jawing syndrome in my eyes, so there's just a lot of things about me that were easy to pick on as a kid. So it took me a really long time to figure out who I was, and actually I didn't figure out who I was until I was like 28 years old. So backing up again. So I you know, I, I did all the things you normally do. I dated boys. I thought that, you know, that was the right thing to do. I never considered anything else. There was, there were times that I definitely looked at girls and I thought, oh, she's pretty, (laughs) but I didn't think anything beyond that, you know? And, and there was this one girl I remember in high school who I had this huge crush on and she asked me to go on a date. And I clammed up. I got sweaty. I was like, I mean, I bet I turned white. And I was like, I can't. And I ran away. Like, I just could not <laughs> handle, like, and then, you know, beyond that, too, I, I had a really hard time making friends with girls. Yeah. Like, making friends with girls. Like, even keeping, like, friendships with girls, maintaining friendships with girls. It was just always a problem for me. In, high, in college, actually, I... I had this best friend in college. Uh, We did everything together. We were inseparable. And when our friendship kind of blew up, you know, as friendships do, I got, I became like a stage five clinger. And I was like calling her constantly. I was like begging her to be my friend again. It was like this whole thing. I was probably like 19 years old. Right. And uh, it was only, you know, years later that I realized it was because I was completely in love with her. And I didn't yeah. know that I actually like really, I wanted to be with her. I, I didn't know it was yeah. a friend you know, at the time. I didn't know that it was a friendship. I, you know, now I know it was because I wanted to date her. So, you know, evolution, you know, evolving from that, my last boyfriend, he was a great guy. He was, he was super fun. We would play Dungeons and Dragons together. We would, you know, sit there and play, you know, World of Warcraft for hours, like with our yeah. computers next to each other. We had a wonderful time. We were best friends, you know, but that's, for some reason, I don't know why, but maybe it was because I was in LA for a certain amount of time by that by then or what, but you know, moving to LA and seeing the freedom that people had and who they were and the acceptance that was it was freely given to yeah. pretty much everybody, you know, in in this in the city and, and the state. It was so freeing. And I started experimenting with who I was and what I liked and and what I what I truly wanted, you know, out of life and out of a partner. And I went to, I so, so I joined a dodgeball league that Brilliant. I told Fantastic, my, mate. Yes. I told my friends that I just wanted to like play a sport, but it was a literal lesbian dodgeball league. Yeah. So I knew what I was doing. I just wasn't telling myself or my friends what I was doing, but it was literally a lesbian dodgeball league. And once I started playing, I mean, it was like, I couldn't stop it from there. Like the wheels were turning and I was like, that girl's hot. That girl's hot. That girl's hot. I wanted, and hey, mate, if, <laughs> if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a bull. Yeah. There it is. I love the reference. So right. I never turned back after that. I mean, once, once I, I allowed myself to accept what I really want and who I really was, 
then there was, there was absolutely no turning back from there because it was the best feeling to, to, to look at somebody and say, no, you actually are my person, you know, like you really, I'm, you really are my person and this is really who I am. This is really what I want. And it's a beautiful thing. You know, there's, there's a lot of LGBTQ plus people who, who, you know, takes them a long time, takes them years to, to learn it. I mean, there's an entire community on TikTok for late in life lesbians who just didn't realize it, you know, for, for years. And all of us have a different story. You know, my wife, she knew since the time she was like five years old, she was chasing yeah. girls trying to kiss them, you know, like, yeah. and that was her journey. My journey took a little bit longer, but, but I will tell you there's no better feeling than, yeah. than finally realizing and admitting to yourself who you are. And it's so wonderful as your friend, see you so happy and in the zone with your own life. It's, it's, it's a great thing to observe, like to witness that sense of self that you have. I mean, you've always been an incredibly positive can do kind of person, but to, to see you apply that metric to that journey in your own life, I just think is a brilliant thing. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, it definitely feels good. The, the interesting part about it was, you know, who was, there were certain people that were extremely uh, supportive and there were certain people that were not. And the people that were not supportive are the ones that I would have expected to be supportive. So oh, that's for example, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so for example, you know, there were, there were friends, like best friends that I actually yeah. lost when I came out and it was, and it, they didn't specifically say it was because I came out, but it was because they were like, well, we just can't relate to you anymore. And I'm like, I'm still the same person. I'm just dating the same sex. Like I don't, and so that was odd. And then, you know, there were, there were some gay men in my life that, that I lost respect for as well, because they were like, but you know, you can't, you know, suddenly be gay. And it's like, but you're gay. You should know that this is not like, it's yeah. different for everyone. It was a very interesting thing. And I really found out who my friends were, you know, whenever I came out, you know, really who cared and who didn't. That is, that is very interesting. I, and so so as as we mentioned a second ago, it's June, it's Pride. What does Pride mean to you? Oh, oh, it's such a beautiful thing. You know, I mean this could this could go on forever. So I will try to be the important thing to note first and foremost is that pride means something different for everyone, right? And whatever pride means for you is what pride should mean, right? So the biggest thing is is pride in who you are, accepting who you are, not only accepting, but loving who you are, living your most authentic and true self, being everything that you could possibly want to be and not being scared to be that, no matter what, what that means for anybody else. You know, there's, there's a lot of things happening right now. When it, a lot of conversations being had right now, when it comes to pronouns, when it comes to gender identity, when it comes to uh, sexual identity, you know, there was a, a thing on the internet I saw just the other day where a non-binary person is, is still identifying as a lesbian. And there are certain lesbians saying, you're non-binary, so you can't be a lesbian. You're a non-binary person who just wants to date girls. And it's like, no, <laughs> no. What does it matter? You know, it, the semantics don't matter. What matters is yeah. how someone wants to identify. That's all that matters. And your job, your only job is to respect however that person wants to identify. Whatever makes them feel their best and their most authentic self is the only thing you have to accept. That's it. It doesn't affect your life regardless, right? Like it doesn't affect you. You just have to be respectful of the way they need to live their lives 
to be authentic. Yeah. That's it, right? And, you know, so there's a lot of things that even the community is still learning, especially when it comes to pronouns. You know, a lot of us, that's a whole other conversation too, is as far as like, okay, there's a huge difference between sexuality and uh, gender identity. Huge, huge difference, right? I mean, yeah, you can be... You can be uh, born a, 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 or you can be assigned male at birth. And, you know, later in life, you're like, hey, I'm, I'm a lesbian. I like, I like, or sorry, assigned male at birth. And you're like, I'm gay. I like boys. Right. And then you can identify as a gay man. And then you come out later as a transgender female. And if you still, it doesn't mean you're now a lesbian. <laughs> it's because you were gay, you know, whenever you were identifying as a man now means that you know you are a you are a female but you still your your sexual preference is men so it's there's a lot of things that the community is still learning there's a lot of things that, that we collectively as a world need to get behind and just shut up and let people be who they are so pride means a lot of that pride means means being your most authentic self and also thanking and recognizing those that came before us and, uh, and paved the way to make this happen. I mean, as most people listening to this will know, you know, pride was started by, by black women, by black trans women. And that is just now being recognized. You know, they are just now getting the spotlight and the, and the recognition they deserve, but it took so long because even back then trans people especially black trans women were, were not even accepted by the gay community. Yeah. Isn't that crazy to think about? Well, of course, because you're layering racism into everything, systemic racism, as well as everything else. Yes. I mean, it all kind of ties together. Right. But it's, it's, it's absolutely shocking. So pride means at, at its most basic point, taking pride, being your most authentic self and, and giving thanks and recognition to those that came before us and continuing to fight for the rights and the needs and everything else for the future generations as well, because we still have a lot of work to do. There's still so much more to get out there. I mean, black trans women are still being, being murdered every single, you know, in droves yeah. every year. And, yeah, and sure. that needs to be focused on. I, I I I couldn't agree more, and I think I think it, you know the, the reality is it, it's uh, for me. You know, pride is a celebration of everybody's right to be whoever they want to be, and everybody's right to be accepted as being whoever they want to be. You know, irrespective of any kind of label that can be thrown. Out. When it comes to the entertainment industry, you've definitely seen we've we've seen a huge surge of LGBTQ plus uh, characters storylines. You know, things being being put out there in the last two like two years, really. I mean, we've seen a big surge. For example, Disney just put finally. their first, you know, queer characters yeah. uh, finally into their films. I think it was at the end of Beauty and the Beast, the live action. I think the the candlestick or someone was yeah. was gay. It, it was it was amazing, and it was a moment. It wasn't as big of a moment as as we all would have liked, but a moment, right? And another. And the thing I do want to point out, though, in the entertainment industry is still this idea that queer films can't hold their own or make their return on investment. That is still a very uh, big problem when it comes to even though, you know, a lot of like you just said, a lot of people in the entertainment industry are very open and, and ready for it. 
financially, they don't know if they're going to see an ROI for that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we, we saw, you know, one major film years ago, which was Brokeback Mountain. The fantastic Brokeback Mountain. Brilliant. Yeah. That was the biggest, you know, budget for a queer film pretty much ever at that point. I, I mean, I can, I think I can pretty definitely say it was the, it was the biggest budget for a queer what, film ever at that point. There's no two ways about it, mate. That's a fact. Yeah. 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 And it was a wonderful movie and, you know, it, it definitely means a lot to the community, but it was rooted in pure heartache. It was rooted in pure hatred and, and the storyline, although, you know, it was again, important for our time it's not as relevant today because as queer folks, we want to see positive positivity. We want to see, we want to see queer characters be in a, in a movie or a TV show and it not even be addressed. I want to see Laverne Cox play a a trans role where her transness is never even mentioned. You know what I mean? I just want her to be a woman playing a, a female character. That's all I want. You know, that's all any of us want. And then last year, I will tell you this, we finally got the lesbian movie we always wanted. It was, I'm blanking on the name right now for some reason, but it's Kristen Stewart and that really awesome actress. Oh, mate, that film's fucking awesome. Yes, it's called uh, The the, Perfect Talk. It's the Christmas movie, right? We were were talking about that. Do you remember over over the Yuletide period? That is a great film. Season, the most beautiful season. Yeah. Something like, I don't know why I'm blanking right now, but yeah. oh my God, that movie was good. And not only was it was it extremely well made, extremely well acted. Oh, The Happiest Season. Got the Happiest it. Season. The happiest it. Season. It was, it was, they put a giant budget behind it. I mean, Kristen Stewart, like, are you kidding me? She yeah. must have gotten paid God knows how much to do this movie. And it was beautifully done. Absolutely. The one thing I will say though, is some of my friends were not happy with it. And why? Because the one of the main themes of this movie is still that, you know, one of the characters had to come out of the closet to her family and yeah, her family right. didn't like yeah. it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so a lot of my friends were like, that's not the story I want to see. I want to. I don't want to see people struggling to come out anymore. I want them to just be out. And I get that. But at the same time, it's progress. A huge studio gave a ridiculously huge budget to a lesbian movie. Let's thank them and then keep going. Yeah, I, I, I think know? I think that's true. In fact, and now that you're saying that, I, it comes to mind that this is exactly the conversation that you and I had over Christmas. Exactly that, and I think I think that's true. I think it absolutely is progress, and I think it is a beautiful film. And you know, you you got to take the steps right on any of these journeys. And, and the, something you touched upon, while it is true that you know, working in the media, you, you're perhaps on on the sharp end of seeing you know a- acceptance for a variety of uh, different life elements. What's also true, of course, is that the the media is absolutely riven with grade A fucking total hypocrisy. Yes. So you know, so the, so that's all well and good, but you know, mon- money talks with with everybody. You know, so that the media is very good at going well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you think about all the all the kind of horseshit Hollywood speeches you see from people when they're when they're when they're accepting awards for whatever it is, yeah. And the way a lot of actors and filmmakers carry themselves when it comes to the to the matter of, you know, being actually nominated for something and they have this cultivated indifference and, you know, 
awards don't really matter. You know, it's all about the art and it's all about the work. But behind the scenes, they're scrabbling around with their PR managers, trying to hustle for that award and win it, and they desperately want to win. Even though that statement, you can't really, you know, art isn't like a race. We're in a race, you know, the 100 metres, somebody wins. Yeah, and somebody comes yeah. You know, when it comes to two performances, or, or two great performances, how do you how do you pick between the two? You can't. You know, you just can't do that. So there is so much hypocrisy that abounds with, within the media at the same time, uh, and and it's it's worth mentioning that at, at this because I wouldn't want this to become a complete you know media Hollywood love fest. Oh yeah, everybody's so progressive. Everybody's very good at portraying themselves as being progressive, but but you and I certainly. You know, in and out of the media or media adjacent, we do absolutely know a lot of people who are genuinely open-minded, you know, are trying to move society forward in, in a positive and acceptive way. And, and you know, my, my view is, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're a fucking Hollywood producer, you know, or whether you're, you know, a road worker or, or a four person on a, on, a, on a construction site, you know, wherever the message is coming from, you know, acceptance is absolutely the key. That's what's absolutely. disturbed me a lot about uh, politics, not just in, in the US, but in the UK over the last two, three years, where we've got this this terrible re- regressive conservatism going on. We've had kind of a, a crazy year, uh, well, crazy yeah, yeah. four years over here yeah. in the US, if you yeah. haven't heard. Yeah. Uh, we had a bit of a time. Before we get in, into your career, there's, there's a really interesting thing, I think, that your lovely wife uh, Sonia does, uh, and that she's part of. And can you talk a bit about the whole queer boy band thing? Yes, I, think I would this love is, to. I think this is fucking. I think this is fucking awesome. And these guys are supremely talented. Thank you so much for letting me brand drop this. My wife's band. So that, my that, wife. That's, uh, that's what we're here for, mate. You know, to me. Yes. So my wife, Sonia, she is also a singer uh, by night. She's in an LGBTQ plus choir here in the city. She is, she's in other cover bands, but she had this amazing idea to form a, a all queer vocal group called Boy Band. And it's Boy with an I, because yeah. Boy with an I, for anyone who doesn't know, is also like another ner- a name for like an androgynous uh, lesbian, right? Or androgynous queer person. So so boy band is literally five people of all uh, various like gender identities and sexualities. Uh, we kind of they, they represent the spectrum of, of the queer universe, and they are right now a cover band only, and they do they cover songs from from popular boy bands, past and present. They cover songs from you know LGBTQ plus allies. And they definitely have choreography mixed in there. So yeah, I mean, the, uh, they act- the, the, the choreography is amazing. Yes. Yeah, it's just something yes. to behold. It's fantastic. It is wonderful. Uh, they have an incredible choreographer as well. And they are, uh, they're actually going to, they're actually starting to work on originals too. So they're going to start, hopefully their first single will be out by the end of this year. But <laughs> so what, what, how can people contact you again, Mandy B? Oh, so you can find me uh, at Mandy Bardis Banyan. I'm sure my last name will be in the show notes, right? So, hey. so my last name is a little crazy, but you can find me at Mandy Bardis Banyan on all platforms. And if you are so inclined, please follow Boy Band at Queer Boy Band on all platforms as well. 
Yeah, and it's it really is great stuff, great epic stuff. I, I'm their I'll manager and yeah, I'm their manager and social media like whatever. So I I'm I'm in charge of making them successful. So please help me do that. Yeah, so check out the show notes. You 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 really won't be disappointed. Um, that they, they do amazing work. And so, Mandy, let's 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 take your let's talk about your career journey for a second. So let's reel back to to your college years and your, your, you know, your plan for yourself. How did you go from there to when I met you, when you're on the reception at Hot Topic, what then happened, which I think is a really interesting so story. Do you want that? Do you want like the crazy story? Do you want, of course. do you want that? Of course. Okay. This is a crazy story. Are y'all ready for it? Because I, I, I mean, it's every time I tell it, I mean, people's faces just drop. They're like, how, how? And I'm like, I don't know. Okay. So here's the beginning of the story. Like I said earlier, I grew up on a horse ranch. Everyone expected me to be a veterinarian or horse trainer. And when I started working at a fashion boutique in high school, I fell in love with clothes. And I was like, I want to do this. I don't know what this means, but I want to do this. So after high school, I went uh, to a fashion school called the International Academy of Design and Technology, which is in San Antonio, Texas, because it's the cheapest place to have gone to college. Of course, I would have loved to go to Parsons in New York or, you know, somewhere like that. But unfortunately, um, no one expected this to actually be my career. So no one wanted to spend a ton of money on it <laughs> until they were sure. So I went to a very, very cheap college that that I will tell you right now prepared me maybe for 3% of my actual career. I mean, extremely little in the <laughs> in the actual teaching, but, you know. It's a bachelor's degree. Cool. So I went to college there and I did a ton of photo shoots, fashion shows. I was, I was designing and creating collections like every season or for like a new fashion show, or, you know, if there was a, a photo shoot idea that my friends had, then we would, you know, I would design something for it. And then we would do like a random photo shoot. It was a lot of trade for trade back then. Right. Cause San Antonio is not a place for artists. So if you want, you know, to kind of come up in the world, you know, a photographer, you, you contact your photographer front and say, Hey, I've got this new dress. Do you want to come shoot it? And then, Hey, yeah, I've got a model who wants more shots for her portfolio. Okay. Uh, do you know a makeup artist who needs, who needs some, you know, some shots, you know, whatever. And we would just all get together and for free, you know, put our skills together and, and do stuff. So at that time, I really thought that I was going to be the next Alexander McQueen. I thought that I was going to be a couture <laughs> fashion designer you know, doing Paris week fashion show or yeah. you know, Paris fashion week shows and, you know, and having like a, a super fancy like studio loft in New York that people would yeah. come by in my design studio and I would dress them for the Oscars or whatever. That was what I was working towards. At the same exact time, I was a hardcore emo kid, like hardcore. I mean, like I said, I was still figuring myself out and the emo kids kind of accepted me. So I just dived right into that world so Hot Topic was a place that I would go. For everyone who doesn't know, Hot Topic is in most malls in the country. I believe there's like 700 stores um, yeah, around the country. Yeah. And so almost everyone has one. And it was a place where you could go that people had colored hair. They had tattoos. They loved Harry Potter. They loved the same things that, that you did. So going to Hot Topic wasn't just to shop. It was also to meet friends and to 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 find people that were like-minded and to feel good about who you were and what you were into. Like that was kind of what Hot Topic was for a lot of people, including myself. So after college, 
I, I literally didn't even go to graduation. I was like, if I don't leave this town now, which is San Antonio, if I don't leave, I'm never going to. I'm going to end up being one of these people who just stays here forever and blah, blah, blah. So <laughs> I packed up my car and I moved to Los Angeles. I, I came to LA and I had $600. By the time I got here, I had $600 in my pocket. I had no job. I had nowhere to live. I didn't know anybody. And I had no idea what the heck I was going to do. So I, thankfully, on the first night I was here, I went to a bar in Hollywood and I met these, these guys. And I was like, hey, you know, how's it going? I'm new here, whatever. They were really nice to me. And I was like, they were like, you don't have a place to live? And I was like, no. And they were like, just come crash on our couch, like whatever. So I ended up living in a one bedroom apartment with three boys for the first month that I lived here. And that was a gross experience, but (laughs) but it was was necessary. And so we, I was there for about a month and, you know, during that time. Was that that when the inception of your lesbianism, do you think? You know, it, it might have solidified it. You know, I, I, it might have been like, I, okay. That was just a joke, mate. I, I didn't expect you to say yes. <laughs> I mean, the, the nasty things boys do in bathrooms is astounding to me. But that's another story. Okay. <laughs> so. it's, it, it is not astounding to me. I, 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 I totally get where you're coming from. Exactly. You raised one too. So come on. So I, during that time, I was trying to get any job that I could because I was like, okay. I know I'm not going to like immediately become this world renowned fashion designer. And I, I just, so I know I'm just going to have to get any job that I can so that I can work my way up. Right. And like get myself a name and meet people here and blah, blah, blah. So I was looking for a bartending job because I had bartended through college and I was like, okay, I, I can do that. There's tons of bars in LA. I went to every bar in Hollywood. I swear I went to every single one and most of the time they would tell me in order for me, for someone to get a job bartending in Hollywood, you either had to know somebody or someone had to die. That was the only way you were going to get a job as a bartender in Hollywood. Like I, I, I could not find anything. I could not find a single job. So it was about a month in and I was completely out of money. I had already asked my parents for like a little bit to kind of sustain me. And I still didn't have a job. I, you know, the boys were kind of sick of a girl living with them. So I really needed to get a job. And so I decided that I said, okay, what are my two, the two places that I want to work at the most? One of them was this, this designer that I knew was somewhere in downtown LA called Sick Fuck. And I think it's like (laughs) S-Y-K-F-U-K, something like that, Sick Fuck. And it was like this like cool, like emo designer. So I was like, I either want to work there or I want to work for Hot Topic, right? Like, and and by the way, I had been emailing Hot Topic and applying for jobs this entire time. And I, I, I replied, applied for the mailroom. I had applied for like the warehouse, like they were not getting back to me. So, so I decided one day I had literally like 20 bucks in my pocket. Okay. It was like my last 20 bucks. And I knew that if I didn't get a job in the next few days, I would have to, I would have to go home. Like there was nothing else I would be able to do. So I decide, okay, I'm going to put a little bit of money in my gas tank. I think I have like five bucks in my gas tank just so I could get somewhere, right? And I, I went to go find Sick Fuck in downtown LA. So I look up like the, the address, you know, on their website, whatever. And I go down there 
and I park and I, I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, I didn't know you had to pay for parking in downtown LA. I didn't know we had to, it's, it's all of these things you don't think about. So I think I had to pay for parking. So I go into this building and I'm terrified of elevators. I have like a really big fear of elevators, <laughs> but, and this elevator was terrifying, but I took the elevator up. to I think like the fifth floor or something. And I would, I, none of the doors had numbers on them. So I was just knocking on doors, trying to find, trying to find this, this, this office. And no, no, no one was answering the doors. Like no one was there. So I was like, okay, fine. I guess I'll, you know, leave, you know, but again, I'm terrified of elevators. So I took the stairwell down to go back to my car. Turns out when I got in the stairwell, all the doors to the floors were locked. Every single one of them. The one I was on was locked. The one like the fourth floor was locked. Third floor was locked. And the first floor was pitch black. Like there was no light. There was no window. Pitch black. So I am freaking out because how the hell am I going to get out of the stairwell? So I start banging on doors. No one's answering. Thankfully, I had cell phone reception. So I called my dad. I'm bawling my eyes out. And I'm like, dad, I'm stuck in a stairwell in downtown LA. He's like, like, what building are you in? I don't know what building I'm in. So, (laughs) So he's like, you need to call the fire department right now. So I call the fire department, right? And this whole time I'm freaking out. I'm 20, like 23 years old and I'm stuck in the stairwell. Still, no one's answering the doors. So finally about, I don't know, 45 minutes later, the, the firefighters show up, they open the door to the stairwell and they're cracking up laughing at me. They're all just, <laughs> they're like 20 of them. And they couldn't, they are doubling over with laughter at this like little 23 year old girl who got herself self stuck in a freaking <laughs> stairwell. Like, are you kidding me? So I explained to them that I was scared of elevators, blah, blah. They ride back down with me and, and then I was out. Okay. So at this point, this is really, really important. At this point, it's about two 30 in the afternoon. All right. So I am pissed off. I'm out of money. I'm hungry and I'm mad. So I, I'm like, fuck it. I'm going, can I curse on this? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Of course you can. Yeah. Fuck it. I'm going to hot topics. I I find the hot topic corporate office. I don't even know how I found it somehow, the address. And I go to a gas station. I put like 10 more bucks into my gas tank and I drive to the hot, hot topic corporate office, which is about 45 minutes outside of LA. I get there again. It's very important. I get there about 345. Okay. I go in and... We've now entered the part of your story where I can visualize exactly where you are at this moment in time. Yes, yes. So I walk into the office and there is a wall kind of... Because there's a reception desk and behind the reception desk, there's a wall. And you have to have a card key to get in behind that wall. So I go up to the receptionist and she's like, hey, can I help you? And I said, I said, hi, my name is Mandy. I had like my portfolio with me, my resume, like in a folder, like I was ready. And... I was like, my name is Mandy. I've applied online to work here, you know, a bunch, but I haven't heard back, but I, I literally have to work here. I, I can't leave without a job. I have to work here. And she goes, eh, that's okay. Hang on. So she calls her boss out to meet me and her name is Lisa. She's yes. the office services. Who I know. Yes. Lisa, right. Yes. She is the office services manager. So she comes out and she shakes my hand. She says, hi, who are you? And I said, my name is Mandy. You know, I I just graduated from fashion school and moved here. And I really want to work here. And I can't leave without a job. 
So she says, just give me a, just give me a minute. So she goes back to the back for about 20 minutes. I assume she's talking to HR. Like now I know that she was talking to HR, asking them if it was okay if she talked to this girl that was a, you know, that walked in. She comes back out and she says, okay, this is not an interview. We're just going to go talk for a little bit. We're just going to go talk. We're just going to have a chat. So we go into this room, one of the rooms, you know, at the, in front of the lobby. Yeah. And we're there for about an hour and a half. And she's just asking me all about my life and what I want to do for a living and, you know, my struggles moving to LA and all of this. So by the time we're done, she, she says, you know, thank you so much for coming in. Obviously this was not an interview, but good luck with the rest of your life. Right. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to have to go home. I, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to be anything. My dreams are crushed, blah, blah, blah. Right. So I leave. I, I go back to the one bedroom apartment with three boys. The next day I get a phone call from HR at Hot Topic saying Lisa Holstein would like to offer you the job as a receptionist at the Hot Topic corporate office. And I swear <laughs> to God, it was the best day of my life. Yeah. Now here's where it gets really crazy. Are you ready? So I'm in. Were... I'm all in on this story, which, <laughs> by the way, I've never heard before. Yeah. Oh my God. Really? That's good. Never That's heard crazy. before. Okay. So here's the crazy part. I started my first day working there. I was a receptionist, like I said, at, at the Hot Topic corporate office, and I walk in and I meet my my fellow receptionist. So there's two receptionists at the front desk, and her name was Sam. And I meet her, and she goes, "You're the girl." And I was like, "I'm okay. What What do you mean?" She goes. Here's what's wild about this is that she, they were, they had one receptionist. They were looking for a second one. She leaves the office at 3.30 PM every single day. And the receptionist that I met when I walked in was a fill-in receptionist because I walked in at 3.45. Yeah, right. Sam told me that if I had walked in 15 minutes earlier, she would have turned me away and she never would have called Lisa up to the front. Yeah. So if I hadn't got stuck in that damn stairwell, I never, ever, ever would be where I am today. And I, I still can't believe, I still get chills every Mate, time I think about it. That, that's it. That's your uh, sliding doors moment, isn't it? You know what I mean? It is. Yeah, that's absolutely, that's your low key, like branching, like time, time variance authority future moment. Do you know what I mean? That's yes, incredible. I, it's the twilight zone of it all. It's wild. It's absolutely wild. And I never would be where I am today. I never, you know, I wouldn't have the career that I have. And I could not be more thankful to everybody who helped me along the way, you know, from those three boys who let me crash on their couch to, to Lisa Holstein to, I mean, you know, the receptionist that was filling in. I mean, yeah. the firefighters that got me out. I mean, all of that is just, you know, there's, there's so much to be thankful for. And that is why that story is mostly why I believe so strongly that literally everything happens for a reason. I don't, you know, I'm not a religious person. You know, I don't, I don't believe in, in destiny per se, but I do believe that everything happens for a reason and that there's, there's always something to either learn or gain from anything that happens in life. I, I, and I, I think also, I think it's an illustration of, of something about your character that I recognize from when I first met you, which is you've got that stamp on the accelerator, guns blazing, forward momentum, 
you are always going to you are always going to do it and, and get it done. And, and there's a lot of people along, throughout the course of that day and those things that happen to you. There's a lot of people that go fuck this noise. I'm going to bar and getting shit faced. You know, that's what I would yeah. call the the Andrew Sumner response in that moment. Whereas you were you were just onward, 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 and that's what you're like throughout your life. That's what through your through your like in your personal life. You know, you're very you, you know you're very focused on your objectives and you don't get discouraged and i think that's like not being discouraged and having fortitude is one of your superpowers i think mate yeah no that's absolutely true you know i i will say though it's it's my biggest strength and my biggest weakness because you know to be as ambitious as i am uh, i'm slithering through and through obviously Ambition is what drives me obviously and it's it's what it was it's what wakes me up every morning right and and to that drive to to never to never, to never have enough. I always want more, right? I always yeah. want uh, a bigger team under me, or I always want to be working on a bigger IP or, you know, whatever it might be. But at the same time, you know, that also can mean that I can come across very uh, abrasive or very demanding. You I know? don't know what you're talking about. What, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, what, are you, what are you yammering on about here, Mandy? I, I don't know. I don't recognize this person you're describing. <laughs> I appreciate that. I mean, it is definitely a, a fine balance and something that I've had to learn, especially having employees. You know, you have to really learn how to balance that. And one of my biggest weaknesses as a leader is is being able to to you know get take my hands off of a project and let my employees you know do what they do. You know, because I'm one of those people that if I feel like I'm not doing it, then it's not getting done right. But you know, at the end of the day, you have to you have to spread the 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 work, or else nothing's going to get done. So yeah. It's, yeah. No, but but I mean, you know, if you walked in, if if we all walked into life fully formed, three hundred and sixty degree wise, completely aware individuals, the world would be a very boring place. You know, it'd be like brave new world. It would be like completely anodyne. And actually, you know, the struggle, you know, for self completion, and you know, the, the the struggle to interact with others in society, those life journeys that we all have. That's why the world is an interesting place. Sure enough. That the, the, they open doors on terrible dark things as well, but the reality is, is if we were all these kind of homogenized, anodyne, fully formed individuals, you know, peaceful and content with ourselves, the world would be fucking boring, and there'd be no drama, there'd be nothing, you know what I mean? There'd be there'd be there'd be there'd be no Harry Potter, there'd be no Lord of the Rings, there'd be no. Yeah. Sh- Beer, you know, it's there'd be no Titus Andronicus, there'd be no Spider Man because what's the use? What would be the point of drama in a world where there's no conflict whatsoever? So, you know, yeah, it's, right. it's an essential part of, of the of the human of the human experience, you know, of human. Yeah, you, know, you, you couldn't be more right. I mean, you know, one of the things that that is the hardest in my life that I, I used to have a hard time talking about, but thankfully. It's healing. So I was at Hot Topic for about seven years and I was I was very blessed, for lack of another word, in my career there. And I, I rose very quickly. I got promoted very quickly. I had incredible quickly. mentors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was it was very quick. But but you know, I had incredible mentors that taught me so much. I had, you know, three different main mentors that that all taught me very different things about the business. But you know, there was this there was this startup company that heavily pursued me, heavily, heavily, heavily pursued me. And I kept saying, no, thank you. I'm very happy. I don't want to leave. And they just kept hounding me. So I, I finally said, okay, you know what? 
maybe I need to try it. Maybe this is the universe saying, you know, everything happens for a reason and I need to try this. And they, you know, what they were doing was very different and unique. And I'm not going to name it just because I, I, it's hard for me to, to speak positively about it. So I'm not going to name what it is, but you know, I, I, so I left, I, I left Hot Topic and I made the decision to go to the startup company and it was, it was horrible for me in many, many ways, but seven months later, they decided that they did not need me and I was laid off. And I will tell you that was probably one of the worst days of my life. I I could not even get in my car to drive home because my I was I was hysterically crying. I actually met one of my one of my now best friends at that job, and and we both say that that the only good thing that came out of that job was was us meeting each other and becoming best friends. But you know, so he was just outside with me for like two hours while I was bawling on his shoulder, and I I, I thought my career was over. I thought I'd screwed everything up. I was like, Hot Topic's not going to take me back. They don't need me anymore. Like it was just, it was, it was the worst day of my life. And I went through like a little bit of a depression for a couple of weeks. And, and then, you know, I, I picked myself back up and, and tried to find anything I could. The sad part about it too, is the same week they laid me off, the exact same week, Disney acquired Fox. So all of my Fox friends were getting laid off. And Warner Brothers was consolidating all of their, you know, external IPs. So a lot of my friends at like Cartoon Network and all those other places were getting laid off. So all of a sudden, not only myself, but all these other people that I knew in the industry were looking for jobs and we were all looking for the same ones. Yeah. So it was absolutely terrifying. And, and at the time I thought there's nothing good that can come out, that can come out of this. There's nothing to learn from this situation. It's terrible. It sucks. But then I found my home at Legion M and not only is it an incredible, incredible team and the company itself is, is doing something that no one has ever done before, but I have full autonomy to, to take the business wherever I think it needs to go. You know, the, the company is growing like crazy. There's an exciting thing happening almost every day. And I can now look back and recognize that I needed to be laid off for several reasons. So I'm going to try to be concise about this because I know we're running out of time. But number one, I at, at my time at Hot Topic, I was in a very lucky position where I was, I was successful a lot as far as my businesses were successful. You know, thing, things were going very, very well in, in most of the departments that I were in, was in. And that's not normal for any career. I mean, you're supposed to see highs and lows in your numbers, right? And that yeah. wasn't really happening for me. I hadn't really seen a low yet. So I was, I was getting all this praise. I was getting, you know, all these job offers. I was, I was, I was really constantly peaking. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And finally, I was not needed. And not only did that experience humble the crap out of me, but I kind of, I needed to know what that felt like. I needed to know what failure felt like because it really hadn't happened before. So now I get to not only humble myself a little bit, <laughs> which I definitely needed, but I, I, I now am going to be more prepared for the next failure. And that is going to happen. It happens to all of us. There's going to be a next failure. There's going to be a next failure. There's going to be five, 10, 15, hundred more after that. And now I will be more prepared for it and I'll handle it much better than I did previously. So although it was terrible, again, everything happens for a reason, right? Well, well said, mate. As you know, I, I, I could not agree more. 
with that sentiment. And <clears throat> for those who don't know, listening to this, can you just fill everybody in on what it is that Legion M does and what makes them so unusual? Absolutely. I, I know, but, you know, it's an interesting thing for you to talk about. So Legion M is a film, TV, anything else that we come up with that we think is cool production company. So we are an entertainment company like everybody else, but the catch is that we are literally owned by fans. So not in the UK, so I have to be very careful with this. UK, you cannot invest, and I am not advertising to you to invest. But <laughs> but in the US, people can literally equity invest into our company and, and own stock and shares, actual stock and shares in our company. We are pre-IPO. So that means we are not tradable on the stock market, but you you have a stake in our, in our company and you literally get a voice in what we do. So we've been around for five years now. We just had our fifth anniversary and we have about 150,000 people in our community and we have almost 30,000 investors in our company. So in the community, you can join for free. If you can't invest for whatever reason, totally fine. You can join Legion M for free as a member and you literally get to tell us what you want what you want us to do, what you want us to make, what you want us to focus on. For example, we we go to Sundance Film Festival every year. And every year we try to find a new a new movie to buy or be involved in. So we have this thing called Film Scout, which we also call a game. It's an yeah. app on your phone. And we have all of the movies that are going to be at Sundance every year. So we have the, the title image. We have the, the log line of every movie. And you can rank them to tell us what you are most interested in seeing. And if you're at Sundance, then you have a, a, another platform to be able to say, okay, I saw these movies and here how I, here's how I would rank them. And based off of that, the first year we did, that, one of the highest ranking films was Memory, The Origins of Alien, which is a documentary yeah. about the making of the movie Alien. And we saw it and we were like, this is really cool. So we bought the distribution rights for, for that film and it did extremely well. And that was based off of our community telling us what they wanted us to focus on. Last year... There was a film called Save Yourselves yeah. that is about so these two hipsters that, that end up being in the middle of the alien apocalypse. It's a really funny hipster comedy. And, and that was at the top of the list last year. So we focused on it and we partnered with Bleecker Street Films and we distributed that movie. And now it's on Hulu, by the way. If you haven't seen it yet, please go to Hulu and watch Save Yourselves. So then, you know, there are other times that, that we, our community will suggest something. So... For example, and I'm so excited to be able to talk to you about this. We we kept seeing this meme pop up on our on our Facebook group. We have a members only Facebook group where people can talk. And there was a meme about this guy named Robert Smalls, Captain Robert Smalls. And if you don't know who that is. He was a enslaved man who who stole a Confederate warship and ended up, you know, fighting uh, for freedom and sla- you know um, freeing a bunch of other enslaved uh, people. He ended up serving on Congress in Congress for five years, and then he ended up buying his previous master's plantation and taking care of his previous master's wife until she passed away. I mean, just this incredible American hero. And and we kept seeing that pop up like, okay, this needs to be a movie. This needs to be a movie. So, you know, then one of our investors in Legion M said, hey, I'm actually a screenwriter and I have a script about about Captain Robert Smalls. And we read it and it's amazing. And now we are working to, to make that into a feature movie that is, you know, yeah. Yeah. So it's really incredible. There's a lot of ways to be involved. We had one investor who he had the, we, we, 
we came out with a movie last year called Arch Enemy, starring uh, Joe Manganiello. And we need a, a very specific kind of car for this movie. And so we said, does anybody know where we can get this car? And one of our investors said, yeah, I have that car. You can use it. So not only was his car used as the featured car in the movie, but he was also in the movie as well. Oh, great. That's fantastic, mate. I love it. I love the democratization of the fan response to a movie and, and just involving all of that and involving that, you know, love and that interest in the process. I think it's a great thing. I hope you're editing this because I'm talking a lot. <laughs> Oh well, no. I, I I I knew you would talk a lot, and this is why I wanted you on the show, mate. Do you know what I mean? And, <laughs> I, and it's good. the great thing about having you on is uh, I don't have to talk as much, you know. So I'm <laughs> completely into this moment. Well, for anybody still listening, thank you for still being here. <laughs> <laughs> so to to so to wrap up, you 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 you're at Legion M. You know, you're enjoying the gig you've got now. You're you see a lot of potential in what you're doing, and I know that you enjoy it. When you look back on your journey to date, both your personal journey and your career journey, what are the things that stand out to you as 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 the highlights thus far? Oh wow. Okay, so you know, a couple things come to mind. Number one, I will say was when we found I was at Hot Topic and we found the trend in licensed beauty. So Back whenever I was the uh, buyer for beauty and Hot Topic, the only people really doing a sprinkling of, of licensed beauty products was Sephora. They came out yeah. with a, like, I think two different Disney like collections for, for makeup at the time. And I was like, I think there's something here. I think, I think there's a way to do this that's more affordable, right? So, and in other IPs, it doesn't have to be Disney, right? It doesn't have to be Disney princess to be a, a, a makeup collection, so at the time, one of our biggest properties at Hot Topic was, was Supernatural. And if you don't know what Supernatural it is, it is, it is a CW show that ran for 16 seasons about these two brothers who fight demons. So it is a very like masculine leaning IP, but the fan base is teenage girls, right? And I loved that show. I, I, I still love it. And I was like, you know what? This is gonna sound crazy, but I wanna do a supernatural eyeshadow palette. I wanted I wanna do an eyeshadow palette. So I told my boss and she was like, uh, <laughs> I don't know, but okay. I mean, how are you gonna do like two, you know, an eyeshadow palette about two guys who fight demons? I was like, wait for it. So I went to my to my you know my vendors and I I told them what I wanted to do. And I took the style guide from Warner Brothers and I looked pulled out all these assets and I was like, here's how I want it to look. And I, I really designed the whole thing with my vendor and it was perfect. It's, it told a story. It made sense. I thought it was gorgeous. So it finally comes into stores and I'm so nervous because I'm like, we spent so much money on this. If it doesn't work, I'm going to get fired. The first week it was out, it sold thousands of units, thousands. And we all went, Oh my God, what is this? I mean, it was, it was so much more above what we could have ever expected. And that was the moment that we realized, okay, there is a trend here. There is, th these customers are being underserved. Like there are teenage girls out there who, teenage girls, you know, trans women, non-binary people who want makeup in, it has to do with their fandom. And yeah. then we started going and we got on a good cadence. Along with that, we, you know, we were doing all, we were having a lot of success with a lot of different IPs and cosmetics and um, Star Wars, Lucasfilm 
kept saying no to me. Like they were the one IP, the one studio that was like, no, we're not ready for that. No, we don't know what that would look like. We don't want Star Wars makeup. And finally they called me and they said, okay, we're ready. Like we want you to do this. And so I made a Millennium Falcon eyeshadow palette. And yeah. to this day, it's one of my proud, proudest moments. I mean, really. I mean, there's re- a lot of things. I'm really not so, I'm really not surprised. I remember, I remember that part that eyeshadow palette is just inspired. Yeah. And I remember how excited you were about Supernatural. What about on a personal level, when you look back over the last decade of working, 15 years of working? You know, it's really interesting that you asked that question because it's really hard for me to to separate my work from my personal life. I I that's always been a huge problem for me, like an actual issue, because I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to how to have a personal life and how to how to have a work life. It doesn't doesn't happen for me. I I literally work constantly. You know, Sonia loves the shit out of me, but at the same time, if we're we're watching a movie or TV show. And I say, oh, that would be look good on a t-shirt. She's like, shut up. Like, <laughs> but that's what I do. That's my job, you know? So, you know, it, again, it's not for me to like, you know, to look that. But I think the one of the things that I am the most proud of is, is being being open to to falling in love with someone that other people in my life would not approve of and totally accepting that and being okay with it. I think that might be one of the most beautiful things because, you know, there's, it's very unfortunate and this goes for a lot of people's stories, but you know, my, a lot of my mom's family stopped talking to me and her because I, I came out as gay. You know, I, I lost some friends because of it. I, you know, there was just some interesting hard things that happened, but regardless of the hard things, I mean, the best feeling in the world is to be completely and utterly in love. And I am, I am lucky enough to have done that and to, to have it be real and true and, and deep. So that's probably one of my most proudest things. Well said, mate, because yeah. that, that is the hardest of hard degrees from me. I, I think that's a very profound statement you just made, but I completely agree uh, with your sentiment and with your thought there. And I've got, before we go, one coda question, something we haven't touched, and it's going to be tough for you to give a brief answer about this, mate. But this okay, is I'll try. okay, but it's just a brief answer. Tell me in about 60 seconds about your love of dogs. Oh my god, this is gonna be so hard. Okay, I love dogs, I have dogs, I have two dogs, I have a little dog, and I have a blind dog, and I foster dogs, and I love fostering dogs, and I want to keep all of them, but I don't because then I can foster more dogs and dogs are great and you should you should donate to all the dog charities you can yeah I, hey, 20 seconds. I think very i got good. i think i nailed that, that. <laughs> yeah you totally nailed it mate you totally nailed it <laughs> so this has been a monumental episode of hard degree i'm andrew sumner and it has been my pleasure to listen to the life and the journey of my good friend mandy bardispanian thanks for joining me today mate Thank you so much for having me. It has been an honor, a pleasure, and uh, and I hope to talk to all of you out there. Find me on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook at Mandy Bardispanian, or find me at a Comic Con. Yeah. In you know next year, let's do I, it. Let's meet up. Hopefully, standing next to me because I'll be at Comic Con as well. Fingers crossed. I will be attached not- at the hip to Sumner. So just where this- you see him, I'll be right next to him. Mate, thank you for joining me. 
You've been listening to Hard Agree. This episode was edited by John Horsley and Kenrick Regan, and our theme music, Golden, was written and performed for this show by Liverpool's finest band, Danio. Hard Agree is a production of the Spoilerverse and myself, Andrew Sumner.